It's HPR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence. Today we're sharing highlights from when music and entertainment legend Burt Bacharach was our guest. Burt has passed on at 94, his family announced today. And we'll post this where you find road stories at hawaiipublicradio.org slash road stories. But right now, dig into this truly rare moment from 2017 when, ahead of a Blue Note Hawaii show, we were able to welcome Burt Bacharach as our guest. Hey, Dave. Hey, brother. Big aloha. I'm a huge fan. This is a giant thrill. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your words. I really, really appreciate it. We're really fortunate, Bert. One of our listeners here at Hawaii Public Radio, Steve, the mystery emailer, he dug up some history on you, and I just wanted to share some of it, see if it brings uh, any memories to mind. Okay. It, it was May 21st, 1973. You were backed by a, according to Steve, 40-piece orchestra, four backup singers, did a uh, show in front of 7,000 fans at the Blaisdell Arena, opening act, a comedy duo of Skiles and Henderson, Ticket price is six fifty, five fifty, and four fifty. This could have been your first show in the islands. Any memories? It was the show I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think we'd come back from Japan, and we were going to play this concert on the way back. And a very complicated orchestration that I'd done, recorded on Wives and Lovers, for a big orchestra. Wow, big orchestra too. Yeah, string quartet inside the big orchestra. It was a hard thing to record, and it was really hard to play with a new orchestra. But they were good, and um, I don't know that they were expecting to, to have something that was maybe this complicated to change our time signatures constantly through the piece. And what happened was, like right in the middle of the, of the piece, maybe the wind, there was wouldn't be wind, it would have been something that would have blown the music and the stand of the concertmaster, the violinist, blew it down. <laughs> but it went backwards and hit the second stand. Oh, no. So we stopped. We stopped. <laughs> stopped. I don't think we ever continued. We, we did try to continue. But the concertmaster was so, like, stunned by the whole thing. Like, I'm going to set this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been the air conditioning doing that. Is that... You don't know. No, you don't know. So it was just like... Things like that are not supposed to happen. The music blows off the stand, the stand falls down, falls backwards, and knocks the second stand down. It's a good one. It's a good story. It's a great story. And flashing forward to November 6, 1988, Dionne Warwick and Burt Bacharach performing before 1,000 black tie VIP guests, the grand opening of the Hyatt Regency Waikoloa on Hawaii Island, and Dionne backed by you and a 30 piece orchestra. And at one point in the show, you said, quote, nobody sings my songs like this lady. That's true. Brilliant. I remember that. No sins falling down, no music. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that happens. And with a career like yours and a catalog that spans a lifetime. These are troubling times. If I can make you people feel good sitting in the audience with some of these songs and some of this music, if it touches your heart, even for a couple of minutes, then I will feel that I have accomplished something. If I've accomplished something, that will make me feel good. I mean, the thing about you is you're able to utilize your skill to bring this to people because of a life of exposure to music. Not a lot of kids end up having their mother insist, starting at age 12, to begin studying cello, drums, and piano. This has to factor a great deal into the life of music you're living and your ability to continue doing what you're doing today. Well, I'm glad she was particularly with the piano, that I keep taking lessons and 
you know, I didn't want to do it. I really didn't, didn't like it. But we wouldn't be talking today if it had not been her staying the course, keeping me there. A lot of gratitude we owe your mother. and most, Absolutely. Most of us owe our moms a lot of gratitude, actually. Yeah, and I'm glad for both my mom and dad that they got to see some really important things, you know. In my life in music, you know, they got to see me win a couple of Academy Awards. They got to see me in concert a couple of times, numerous times, three, four times. And that's great that they could have experienced that. Is that a high point moment? I got to believe that those are the kind of, sounds like it, that's a pretty standout experience. Yeah, for sure. Had your mother and father lived that long. And it's been a very special life. I value it. I value every day. I never take anything for granted. I've got a terrific family. Marvelous lady I'm married to now. And two, for my age, young children. Like, uh, Oliver's 24 and Raleigh is 21. They're both with my current wife. On that note of mentioning your children and their youthful age, uh, you've had a few in the last several years, in the last couple decades really, an opportunity to continue to expand your realm into younger generations. And two of those things just come to mind. One, you with Noel Gallagher of Oasis performing London a few years back. Uh, I think you guys did. This guy's in love with you. Exactly. And uh, it was a great moment. Noel was able to get through that first night. I mean, he never had an orchestra that big because it was a symphony orchestra. He was supposed to do two nights, but he never came back for a second night. <laughs> <laughs> I think they all got wasted, you know, backstage afterward, celebrating that Noel had done it and gotten through it. A good guy. I enjoyed him and the fact that he cared about my music and what he was doing. And continuing with that, Mike Myers, the Austin Powers films, they introduced you to a new generation. And explain maybe how they first contacted you and maybe just some great memories of doing those. Yeah, well, with Mike, I didn't know him. I knew of him from Saturday Night Live, and he had a house out here in L.A., either renting it or owned it, I don't know. He and Jay Roach, the director and all the Austin Towers, had me come over to the house and kind of talked me through this very low-budget picture that New Line was going to let him do. And the idea that they had would mean you'd have to come to Las Vegas for one night, we'll shoot at night, and put you up on top of a bus with a piano, and we'd go down the strip. Right. <laughs> and so we did that until four or five in the morning. <laughs> and then I got on a plane and went to Chicago and did a concert. And I thought, well, you know, listen, I did a nice thing. These are nice guys. And who knows what's going to happen with this. They didn't know what was going to happen. Then it exploded. So it was a way to come in contact with a younger generation and uh, be exposed. At least they knew the name because Mike made no problems about saying Bert Backracker. Oh, he loved introducing. You could tell that was like a highlight for him without without question. And then you follow up the, the first appearance by doing the duet with Elvis Costello in the yep, second right, one. Right. If you've not heard the album I did with Elvis, you should. It's, it's brilliant. It is a very good album. Special uh, songs that we wrote together and made this album together. And I'm proud of it. You have so much to be, to be proud of. Uh-huh. You're right. This month, the score released for A Boy Called Poe, first original score for a film in 16 years, John Asher film, obviously very meaningful for you too. Very meaningful. The film I scored in a couple of days, though I wrote it first. But the subject matter is very close to my heart. Poe is a boy with autism. 
educators can kind of spread the word about autism. It's shown in schools. Kids don't bully kids who are disadvantaged. Exactly. One out of 63 kids that are born or something like something in that ratio, they're born autistic. And it's a very difficult situation. And then you've got a situation where 80% of the marriages dissolve uh, with an autistic child. 20% stay together. It's harsh. Oh, it's very harsh. And um, my daughter Nikki had a very severe autism uh, Asperger's. So it's a tough one. Very tough one. And if more people understand the disease through what we've done, we did good. Absolutely. And it creates less bullying, less separation, and much more compassion and empathy for totally, people. Totally, totally, totally. Hey, Thank I hope, you. Oh, you're welcome. Hope you had fun today. Thanks for doing this. You're more than welcome, Dave. Thank you.